morning again. <laughs> this morning we have the opportunity to look into God's Word and to look specifically at the Song of Mary. As Teresa read, Mary, just so you know the, a little bit of the story leading up to her song, Mary had already heard the word of the Lord directly. She had heard the word of the Lord directly from the angel Gabriel. The baby in her womb, the Gabriel had told her, will be holy and the son of God. He was and will be the Messiah King. His name would be Jesus, which means the Lord's salvation. And then after the angel left, she went to visit her relative Elizabeth. And at their greeting, Elizabeth, who is also to have a son, declared that the fruit of Mary's womb was her Lord. And even the baby within her who was John, the one who had prepared the way for the Lord, was leaping in her womb, leaping. With this confirmation in her heart of the word of the Lord, Mary then burst into singing and song. I want you to read along with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I think some of you may have already found your way there, but Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read in verse 46, starting in verse 46 down to verse 55. This is the song of Mary. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Let's pray. Lord, as we come today, God, we pray. As we open your word and we look into your word literally over these next few minutes is all we have together, Lord, this morning. But I pray, Father, would you open our eyes to see wondrous things of who you are. God, please, we pray, open our eyes to see wondrous things of who you are. 
Lord, would you take the story that we have heard <laughs> and may be very familiar to us, but Lord, would you apply it to our hearts new and fresh? And Lord, just as Mary says that she magnifies the Lord, and David says, come magnify the Lord with me. Lord, would you cause in our hearts, Lord, that we might magnify your name this morning. That we might praise your name this morning. You draw our hearts up into this song of Mary that we might praise the name of our Lord. We may rejoice in the God of our salvation along with Mary. And so, Lord, would you do that for us this morning, God, over these next few minutes? Draw our hearts to worship you. We pray, we pray and we ask in your name and for your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> the first words to come from her mouth, from Mary's mouth, were words of praise and rejoicing. Praise and rejoicing. Mary cries out, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Praise and joy well up within her. And with all she is, spirit and soul, with all she is, she sings out from literally the core of her being. She magnifies the Lord, she says. She declares the greatness of her God. To magnify something is to make something large, right? To magnify it. But you cannot make God any larger than he already is. So what she's saying is, I'm just declaring to you that God is large <laughs> and great and marvelous. She glorifies the Lord. And then she says, my spirit rejoices within me. Ah, I love the picture of that rejoicing personally because it means literally her heart is leaping within her. I don't know if you've ever felt that feeling of your heart leaping within you, but Mary says, my heart is rejoicing in God, my Savior. Just as we mentioned, John, when at the greeting, at the greeting, John in the womb of Elizabeth, when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth and all he does, six months old, by the way, in the womb, not six months old, out of the womb, but in the womb, six months, six months. Elizabeth says, when he heard her voice and in the greeting, he leapt. I'm not sure if leapt is the right word there. Good. He just gave me a heads up there. Thank you. He leapt within her in joy. And Mary is saying the same thing is happening in her heart. <laughs> she is leaping for joy. When I read these words, I, I cannot help it. I think of this story that I heard a long time ago by the pastor Louis Giglio. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Louis Giglio, but it, I mean, it's been a long time. But he tells a story, and for some reason it stuck with me. And when I read these verses, I thought of this story. Louis Giglio, I think he was in school, maybe in college. 
he had a paper or a test coming up. I think it was a test coming up. And it was going to be tested on Mount Rainier. I don't know if you ever heard this story. Mount Rainier. And so Louis says, man, I prepared, right? I prepared, I researched, and I studied. And he goes, I knew Mount Rainier. I knew it. I knew Mount Rainier. He said, when I got to the test, I pull out my test, start writing down the answers, turn over my paper. He's like, that's it? That's all you're going to ask me about Mount Rainier? He said, I just turned over the paper and said, the things you didn't ask me about Mount Rainier. And he said, I just started listing those things. You know, <laughs> this is what you didn't ask me. But let me just tell you more about Mount Rainier. And so he listed them. He said, I had, a, I had a chance to go visit Mount Rainier shortly after that. I knew Mount Rainier. I'd read about Mount Rainier. I'd heard about Mount Rainier. But then I stood in front of Mount Rainier. And I experienced Mount Rainier. And I wept. Everything that I knew about Mount Rainier could not equal up to the experience of Mount Rainier, right? That's Mary. <laughs> As a young Jewish girl, man, she knew. She had been trained up. She knew the scripture so well, which we'll see later in her song. She had heard the stories from a child as she came in and went out. The stories were told. She knew God. She knew there was a Messiah coming, and she was waiting like all the others, right? She's waiting. She knows. She's read the word. She knows from the word God and the promise. But now <laughs> the word had become flesh and was dwelling within her. She experienced God and her heart and soul and spirit rejoiced, right? And glorified the Lord and glorified the Lord. Mary goes on now in this spirit of rejoicing, right? The spirit of rejoicing that's coming from the spirit she's had because the spirit the, the, the Lord is within her. Mary goes on to say that he has this one, this God, this one who has become flesh and dwelt that I have now experienced. He has looked upon me, this God who is great, has looked upon me, his humble servant, in her humble estate. And from now on, all the generations will call me blessed. Just as God spoke to Moses, I have seen the afflictions of my people, is what God said to Moses. Mary says, God has looked upon her in her humble estate and blessed her. Her humble estate included where she was from, right? She was from Nazareth, <laughs> a tiny little town, out-of-the-way kind of town, not really near any other town. Sometimes you can tell a town by what it's near. There was nothing near Nazareth. It's a village. It says in the city of, but it's not really a city. It's a small village town. This little area was looked down upon 
by even her own people. And so when she says, my humble estate, Mary is from nowhere. She went to a place worse than nowhere. But God, she says, has not looked down upon her, right? But God has looked upon her and blessed her. God has seen Mary. She says, he even sees me. He has even seen me. Elizabeth in their meeting, if you remember, she cries out, blessed are you among women, Mary. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary knew that she would be called blessed, not for anything in and of herself, but because the one in her womb was Holy, the Son of God. Then Mary praises God for who he is. Just walking through her song, Mary praises God for who he is. She praises God for his might, for his holiness, for his mercy, and his faithfulness. First, she says, He who is mighty has done great things for me. (laughs) She's experienced it now, right? She might have read about his mighty power, but now she has experienced it. When the children of Israel spoke of the Lord who is mighty, many times their thoughts would reflect back on the things they heard, the stories of the scriptures, the one who created the heavens and the earth, or they would look back and remember the God who had delivered them with power from Egypt and the hand of Pharaoh. But in this case, I think she's thinking of something much more personal, at least at this point in her song. Because she says, he who is mighty has done great things for me. He who is mighty has done great things for me. She possibly is thinking of the power of God to open the womb to conceive, right? He opened the womb of Elizabeth in her old age, right? So that she might have a son. He had opened the womb of Sarah, if you remember. If you're there on Wednesday nights, we know that story. We've been in it for two years, and and, and Josh has been here for a year. And... uh, (laughs) It's been good. If you're there with us on Wednesday nights, it is so good. But you know well the story of Sarah. But God opened her her womb even in her old age. He had opened Hannah's womb. (laughs) She knew the story of Hannah very well, for her song mirrors the song of Hannah. Hannah would have a son. She cried out to God for a son. Even though she was barren, God opened her womb and gave her a son, Samuel, if you remember. But now, (laughs) in an even more unique and marvelous and mysterious and powerful way, God has opened her womb that she might conceive and bring forth a son even though she'd never even been with a man. When Mary heard all the things that the angel had told her of who this was who would be in her womb, (laughs) 
She didn't respond with, how is that possible that God could be in me? She more asked, how could it be because I'm a virgin? I've never even been with a man. How will this happen? (laughs) Not that she didn't believe. More she was like, well, how will this happen? That this could happen this way? I love that. (laughs) I think it's Mary's practical side, right? She took, I mean, she she just said, I'm sure, okay, son of God, holy, Messiah, king, great. But now how's that going to happen with me, right? How's how's that going to happen with me? And the angel answered her, right? The Holy Spirit was going to come upon her and the power of the Most High God would overshadow her. The mighty power of the Most High God would overshadow her. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. (laughs) The Most High God, right? The one who possesses, really, heaven and earth. Heaven and earth are his possession, his power, not just power, but his creative power, his power to create would overshadow her. This picture of God's overshadowing is like the cloud that rested over the Mount Sinai when God became present with his people. His overshadowing was the cloud that rested in the tabernacle on the mercy seat when God was present with his people. It was also the cloud at the transfiguration of Jesus when the three disciples watched as Jesus was glorified. And there was a cloud, and from the cloud came a voice who said, Behold, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. The presence of the Lord in power to create overshadowed her. And she conceived a son who is holy, the son of God. Mighty is the Lord, she says, right? He has done great things for me. She agreed, I think, with the angel who said, nothing is impossible with God. And in her heart, she's saying, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is too difficult for him. She had experienced the might of the Lord personally. He has done great things for Mary. But then she broadens out a little bit. And she says, second, she praises God for his holiness. Right? His might and his holiness. She says, holy is his name. And by saying his name is holy... She's saying that holiness is the quality which most characterizes who God is. One of the most powerful images of God's holiness is provided for us in Isaiah 6. Now, I think most of you will remember Josh teaching and preaching Isaiah 6. But just by way of reminder this morning, oh, Isaiah sees God sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. His authority and power high above all things and all others. 
truly the most high God. Around him were seraphim, each having six wings, two. With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They could not touch the ground, for it was holy. And they could not look upon God, for his holiness was so bright and glorious. And if you remember, I love this picture. They were on fire. Do you remember? They were on fire. Constantly being purified in the presence of a holy God. And they cried out, these seraphim, (laughs) they cried out one to another. You remember the picture of them going back and forth, escalating higher and higher. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy and awesome is he. Highly exalted He sits on his throne. Holy is his name. (laughs) And now Mary has experienced the holiness of God, for within her is he who is holy. Holy, the Son of God. Not only does she praise the Lord and rejoice in the Lord for his might and his holiness, But also this holy God is merciful. He's merciful. Mary declares that he is merciful. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. The Lord who is mighty and holy is merciful to those who fear him. Fear. Fear is the beginning of wisdom and leads us to humility and a manner of life that honors God and is obedient to his will. Mary exhibited this humility when when she told the angel, after hearing all that would happen, she said, behold, I am the servant, humble servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Humble, reverent, obedient, submissive. And then God's mercy. Merciful. Tozer defined God's mercy as, I love this, actively compassionate. Actively compassionate God. One who acts out of his compassion for us. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, mercy is his love, not only for the guilty, but for those who are miserable in their guilt. David, after he sins with Bathsheba, cries out to God, have mercy, God, on me. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, please, God, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from our sin, my sins. Isaiah experienced the mercy of the Lord, right? After beholding the glory of the Lord, Isaiah cries out, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, and God in his mercy and grace sends forth a coal from his holy altar, which is placed upon the lips of Isaiah. 
His guilt is taken away. His sins have been atoned for. He who is holy has made what is unholy holy. He has acted mercifully. Mary praises God for his mercy. He has been merciful to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has been faithful to his character. And God had even looked upon her in his mercy, in her low estate, and blessed her, and blessed her. Generation to generation, God, who is mighty and holy and merciful, has been sovereignly working out his plan and his purposes from generation to generation. So Mary then goes into just a little bit of broader detail to explain how God works and how God has worked according to his might and his holiness and his mercy. And so she says, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones. This is the God in whom I'm praising and magnifying. He has exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, he is truly merciful, and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary's words, just so you know, are a collection from the Psalms and other passages from the Old Testament. Truly, Mary knew the scriptures. Some have said, how can Mary have written this? (laughs) A young girl, 12, 13, 14, from Nazareth. How could she have written this? She knew the words of the Lord. And when she experienced the Lord and began to praise and magnify the Lord, the word of the Lord sprang forth from her, right? It's a great lesson for us. Oh, let the word of the Lord be in us, right? So it springs forth. And so she strings together these pieces from the Psalms to declare God in his might, God in his holiness, and God in his mercy. One of the, I think one of the best pictures of what she is speaking of and representing here is the story of Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember that story. Nebuchadnezzar, proud man, right? King of Babylon. Proud in his intellect, proud in his power, proud in his possessions, right? Just like he's saying here, pride in the thoughts of their hearts, pride in their thrones and positions, pride in their possessions, right? Nebuchadnezzar represents this so well. And God then brings him low. God works. If you remember, even as he's speaking, right, and magnifying himself and his work over Babylon. I don't know if you remember, he's standing on his porch and just praising himself for all the things that he has done, right? God then literally takes his mind, right? makes the intellect foolish (laughs) and he becomes like a beast of the field out in the fields eating the grass digging with his claws 
But then it says, he lifted up his eyes. Nebuchadnezzar, proud, lifts his eyes up to heaven. And his reason returned to him. And he blessed the Most High God. Nebuchadnezzar gives a great testimony here, I think. He says, praise and extol and honor this king of heaven. For all his works are right, his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. He lifts up (laughs) and he tears down according to his might and his holiness and even his mercy. God is faithful and acts according to his character, might, holiness, mercy from generation to generation. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down the mighty. He has exalted the humble. He filled the hungry and he sent away the rich and he helped his servant Israel. This same God Mary is praising, right? She's saying this same God has been faithful to me. He has caused me to conceive by the power of his Holy Spirit. He has placed his Holy One within me. He has looked upon my low estate and shown me mercy and lifted me up. She says, God surely gives grace to the humble and fills the hungry, right? With good things. Mary finishes her song. She's coming to the end. The Lord has helped his servant Israel. He has remembered his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. God has been faithful to his promises. Mary now rejoices and praises God for his faithfulness. God According to his steadfast love, his holiness, and his might has kept his promises from generation to generation. From the very beginning, God made a promise. In the garden, in the midst of the fall, he made a promise that there would be one who would be the seed of a woman, right? Who would come. And when he comes, he will crush the head of the serpent, Satan. And though he might be bruised in the process, he will defeat death and sin. This promise was given again to Abraham, right? God working out his faithful promises through his people. He says to Abraham, In you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. (laughs) From the family of Abraham, now he says, will come the seed of the woman. The same seed he promised in Genesis 3 will now come, he says, through Abraham to crush the head of the serpent and to possess the gates of his enemies. He says, your offspring, Abraham. He gave that same promise to Abraham's son and his sons and through the generations, even unto David, who would come through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He gave the promise again to David, right? 
saying, this seed of the woman will come from you, David, because I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. And David passed away. (laughs) So the kingdom he was establishing was eternal and would come through the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. And then you hear it again through the prophets. (laughs) We've heard it from to, to Adam, to Abraham, to David, the king. And now we hear it again through the prophets. And we've heard it, right? Josh doing a pen, I mean, just unbelievably setting up the advent. We're just hearing the gospel through Isaiah over and over and over again. If you remember, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, right? A branch from his shoot shall bear fruit. This was when the stumps had been laid low, if you remember. There were nothing. There was nothing. But God kept his promise and a shoot from Jesse. He says, this one who will come, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, faithfulness the belt of his loins. The seed of a woman will come. And then we saw last week powerfully in Isaiah one who would come, this promised one, this one, the seed of a woman, the one who would crush the head of the serpent, he would come and he would be pierced, stricken, rejected, smitten, afflicted, crushed, and marred beyond recognition, (laughs) bruised by his wounds, right? we would be healed. God would lay upon him the iniquity of us all and pour out his wrath on him and give us his righteousness. The the baby within Mary is the promised seed of the woman. <laughs> Your heart, her heart is overflowing, right? <laughs> this, the God who is mighty and holy and merciful and has been faithful for, to his people from generation to generation and kept his promises, he, she said, is now within me. This promise is within me. The seed of the woman. I'm the woman. (laughs) The seed is within me. And Mary believed the words of the Lord. Elizabeth said, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what God had spoken to her. Mary believed The son, this one within her, will be called Jesus. The Lord saves. He will save his people from their sins. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end He will be holy, holy, (laughs) holy will be 
the Son of God. <laughs> God is mighty and holy and merciful and faithful. Mary, she had read about him. <laughs> she had heard the stories about him. She knew the scriptures, but now she has experienced him. And Mary magnified the Lord. <laughs> Mary rejoiced in the God of her salvation. And as we begin this Advent season, may God draw our souls and our spirits to magnify the Lord, right? To magnify the Lord who is mighty and holy and merciful and faithful. May he cause the spirit within us to rejoice this season in the God who is our salvation, our salvation. Jesus is the Son of God, and he is the Lord's salvation. <laughs> May our hearts magnify the Lord and our spirit rejoice in him. Let's pray. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lord, would you do what only you can do and open our eyes, Father, to see and to experience, Lord, what we know from your word. But may we experience it, God, new and afresh. May you work in us, God. May our eyes be open. May we see your mighty hand <laughs> and your holiness and your faithfulness and your mercy anew. God, would you work in us, Lord, even now and in this season, Lord, that our hearts, God, might be drawn to worship you and to magnify your name. And Lord, if there is anything in us, if we have raised anything up, God, if there is any pride within our hearts, if there is anything that, Lord, keeps us from you, Lord, would you, with your mighty hand, tear it down. If there is pride in our thoughts or pride in our positions or pride in our possessions, God, would you humble our hearts? And cause your name to be magnified in us, we pray. We pray it in your name, Lord Jesus. And we pray it for your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.